We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo, part of the Blue Wire Network. Thank you for locking in today, whether you're watching this on YouTube, which if you are, make sure you like and subscribe, or whether you're listening to this on whatever it is, um, podcasting platform that you listen to, it is, you know what, man, we're in August already, God, man, it's just, I feel like I blinked my eye, and bam, July was over, as always, on this Wednesday show for the summer, I am joined by my good buddy, Anthony Marino, from Breaking Buffalo Rumblings, part of the Buffalo Rumblings podcast, podcast network, what's going on, dude, how you doing? Hey, man, it's good to, uh, it's good to see you. And yeah, it is crazy. It's August. I mean, it's like we always uh, we look forward to the start of training camp. But that's kind of that piece, too, of like you, you hit that peak of summer and now you're kind of on your your way heading towards the start of the regular season, which is great. But summer starts winding down. I was on. So we're, we taped this again. People, this drops on Wednesday, August 2nd. We're taping this um, on Tuesday, August 1st. I was on Facebook this morning before we uh, start chatting here. And like, you know, you have your memories like two years ago, five years ago, whatever it may be. Yeah. A year ago, I, I wrote about how you blink your eye and it, it felt like July was over. And it's like, well, I'm going to repeat that now. I feel like about a week or so ago, it was maybe a week where I was trying to figure out if I was going to do anything for the 4th of July, which ultimately I didn't, by the way. But, um, you know, it's just like, it was like a week ago. I'm like, damn, just a holiday coming up. and. What am I going to do? And now I'm talking to you and it's, it's freaking August already, man. Jeez. It's crazy. It is. It is crazy. And you're here and it's like, you know, as your kids get older, wh- when their kids are young, it's you, you look, you know, oh, hey, you finished the school year. It's kind of this accomplishment. Once they get older, you realize it's like, man, they are just that one step closer to, you know, kind of being these young adults. And it just, uh, it's freaking me out a little bit. <laughs> you know, it's funny too, because as a kid, summer really goes by fast because you wait all, you know, for months and months and months to get done with school, you get your summer vacation. And then when you're an eye, you're back, it's fall and you're back in school again. And I kind of feel like it's the same um, when you get older, it's just maybe just because of where we live too. You know, I, I remember, sure. cause again, I spent five years in Florida and summer felt forever. 
Yeah. Because it was so freaking hot and uncomfortably hot in Florida during the summer, and it would rain every day, and it felt like that was going to never end. Just like in Buffalo, it feels, at least to me, maybe I'm wrong and people, other people feel differently, but it's like you blink your eye here and, and it gets cold again. But in the winter, it feels like winters in, in Buffalo last forever. You know, so I guess maybe it's where you live on, on how you feel about summer. But anyway, there's, there's worse things that can happen than, than bitching about uh, <laughs> the summer going by too quick. Um, you know it. Let me preface this too, by the way, because we're going to spend a lot of time today talking about Buffalo Bills camp. I've been at three practices over the past week, including the last two, but I need to preface this. I used to do this with Aaron. Got to make sure I do this with you today as well, especially with so much going on. It's one thing when there's nothing going on during the off season, but now training camp's underway. Anthony and I are taping this early on Tuesday, 9 a.m. So the Bills haven't even practiced yet on Tuesday. So if something goes down today and hopefully... If something goes down, it's only positive stuff. But if there's anything significant that happens, any injuries, any stuff like that, we're not talking about it today because we're literally taping this before uh, before camp starts. Um, what did I want to talk about before we uh, get into to practice? By the way, I know you're a big uh, Joe Marino guy. Yeah. I took him practice on Monday, um, and I got an opportunity to, to hang out with Joe. I had never met Joe Marino in person. Of course. For people watching and listening, I'm talking about Joe Marino, the host of uh, Lockdown Bills podcast. Absolutely love uh, that show. So I was with him and also from your network, um, Joe Miller, host of the Overreaction Sports Podcast, uh, Hump Day, and he does the John Fina show as well. Um, that was a good time, man, sitting in the stands talking to Joe. He's a, I'll tell you this, he's, uh, you know, I know a lot of podcasters out there, and to some extent, you know, fans know who who, who we are, but. Joe's kind of like Marino. I'm talking about. It's kind of way like on a different level, man. We were we were standing all the way up at the balcony, and there was a good four or five times where people came up to us and like, you know, what's going on, Joe? I'm whoever. Oh, I'm a big fan of your show, and took pictures with him. It's kind of like almost like a like a little bit of mini celebrity. I was a little bit jealous. I was like, hey, you know, I got a show too, and all, but <laughs> <laughs> but you know, with Joe, it is uh, it is interesting with him because he has really become. A, a face of of Bill's Mafia, right? Yeah, so sure. when you think about doing that show five days a week, fifty two weeks out of the year, coming up with great topics, you know, Joe is uh, he's so smart when he talks about the team and when he talks about the game of football. But also, too, it's just you know, every once in a while, you'll hear something get under his skin, and he'll get on a little bit of a rant. But mm -hmm. he's not one of those guys that he's doing it all the time. So you know, when Joe gets a little excited. It's for a good reason. And when you think about just that space, and if you are someone that is looking to follow the Bills 365 days out of the year, to have Joe as a friend, yes, but just to be able to listen to each and every day, it makes Bills fans that much smarter, that much more well-informed. And he should be treated like a celebrity because when you think of you know kind of the space and where things are right now, he is that guy, and he's just, he's killing it. I'm so happy for him. I say this, I've said it before, I'll say it today, I'll say it in the future as well, with tons of respect to so many yeah. really good Bills podcasters out there, man. There's so many good shows, so many different types of shows. I just think Joe's the best. I, I do. I think yeah. he's, his consistency, his knowledge of the game, his personality, his voice, and again, literally, 
if he wanted to only listen to one show per day and, and still be able to be informed with the team, he'd be the guy because you listen to Lockdown Bills, he literally drops an episode every every day. So, yeah. you know, during the season, whether it's, you know, game previews, game reviews, uh, he has an interactive day every week, a herd mentality where fans get to to put their questions in. I'll tell you another thing, too, about Joe. This is not to turn into the Joe Marino show here. But anyway, um, so again, I met him for the first time. Pretty big dude. Now, if you watch him only on YouTube and, you know, he's just from here, chest up, um, you know, you can't really say that. Well, dude, it's like 6'1". And he's pretty stacked, dude. He looks like he looks like a, a football player. He looks like an like an offensive lineman. So, well, I'll tell you this: if you follow Joe on Instagram, and again, it's just like, gosh, we should have him on the show right now. We're talking about him so much, but like, <laughs> Joe is uh, Joe has gotten into CrossFit. He is uh, he's putting up some some weight, and he's yeah. uh, he's doing a good job. You know, kind of you know as a a dad to a, a young family, you know, he's, he's getting it right, man. And he's, he's killing it in more ways than one. Yeah. And, and one thing you say, last thing, you, it's funny. You say, we should we'll have Joe on the show. Well, guess what folks today we're dropping this on Wednesday. So Thursday night, Joe will be on the show. He'll be with me live from Imperial pizza. The live from Imperial series continues on Thursday. Joe who lives by the way, a lot of people know this. Joe actually lives in North Carolina. But he's up this week to to take in some practices and uh and, and do some media. He did WGR today, but anyway, he's going to be with me live from uh, Imperial on Thursday. I, I'm really looking forward to uh to have Joe again. I, I met him for the first time at practice, and um, be the first time actually sitting down and having a conversation with him on a podcast. Anyway, this week, so uh, so hey, let, me say, let me say real quick though, with that, and I I enjoy the the shows each week. I did love the show with John Fina and Joe Miller. Like just so, so Thanks. candid and so open and John, you know, if you haven't listened to it yet, go back and give it a listen. I just love the story when he was talking about as a rookie and uh, at the end, his position coach was asking and said, like, you know, does anyone have any questions? And he's like, here I am, the stupid rookie. You know, I raise my hand and ask a question and how Kent Hill, Kent Hill pulled him aside after uh practice and told me never to do that again and i just uh you know knowing john just a, a little bit i could see him just being so you know asking a question wanting to do the right thing and kind of getting scolded by the team captain after. yeah that, that was funny um yeah it was ken Hall. he basically threw him up tom brush the i think was the coach too yeah. the positional coach where uh where john did that thanks and it was fun to do and i'll tell you um John is probably, and, and I've gotten to know, I don't want to say I know all the former Bills because I don't, but of the ones I do, he might be the most legitimately engaging yeah. former Buffalo Bill that I know. And he knows this. He's talked about this pretty openly too. His time, he, so he was with Buffalo for a decade. It ended ugly, like kind of like a divorce from the from the franchise. Tom Dono kind of more or less. Ran him out of town, and to this day, he still hasn't, you know, forgotten that. Um, but John was a little bit kind of like standoffish with, with with media people and even fans for a time, and it wasn't until recent years where he's really um, and it, it's changed a lot. I, I mean, I, there's not probably a former Bill that's more involved, um, you know, on Twitter and events than john fina i mean he loves and this is not bullshit anthony he legitimately loves 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 sitting yeah. down and chopping it up with fans man whether they're older fans who watched him play 
whether they're younger fans who, quite frankly, don't really know, remember him as a player because they were too young. Um, they He just loves talking to uh, everybody. It's funny because when we did the podcast from Imperial last Saturday, probably the hardest part of the show wasn't even like sitting down and talking to John and Joe Miller, by the way, was with us as well for uh, the show and hanging out too. It wasn't coming up with stuff to talk about because, you know, I mean, you know, John, it's easy to talk to his ass. Just ask him something and let him wind him up and let him go. The hard part is dragging his ass away from fans. Because, like, we were outside. And there was, by the way, shout out to a lot of Bills. I mean, there were a lot of Bills fans who came up Saturday. Probably the most I've ever had at Imperial for a show. But anyway, having to drag him away from from people to get him on on the set to be able to, to do the show. That might've been the hardest part, but it was fun. And I, and thank you. And I do appreciate that. If you didn't check it out, cause it did drop over the weekend. And I know a lot of people kind of get away from podcasts over the weekend, go back and, and listen to it. It was interesting. He was very candid too. You know, he talked about a lot of his own training camp experiences oh, yeah. and what he thinks, you know, some of the veteran players go through each camp and how they prepare differently. If they're a starter, as opposed to, you know, a, a bubble player, stuff like that. Um, all right. So let's get into, this current training camp, and again, one more time, need to preface this. This is being taped Tuesday, so shit goes down at practice on Tuesday, and we're not talking about it. Uh, you know why. Boy, let me tell you a funny, though. Let me put up a, on the screen. If you're watching on YouTube, I'll read it for the audio people. A tweet. The first day of practice, Tyrell Dotson, you know, the middle linebacking position has been a three-horse race right now, and it's certainly played out that way. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in a few minutes. But anyway, Tyrell Dotson drew uh, the first day with the ones and afterwards Vaughn Miller was talking about how he he was surprised that people were even talking about it as a competition and you know look we've talked about this before I love me some Vaughn Miller I know you love Vaughn too but some let's take everything he says with a grain of salt I put up a tweet which actually got a pretty uh pretty funny reaction so the original tweet that I had during practice was <laughs> Dotson Bernard Specter first reps at middle linebacker over the first three days, respectively, showing there's definitely legitimate competition there. Said, of course, that's news to Vaughn, who said Wednesday he was unaware of any and made it sound like Dotson was pretty much locked in as the guy, old Vaughn. Anyway, so I quote tweeted myself, and I said, if Vaughn Miller says you're about to get a promotion at your job, pack your shit up because you're probably getting fired. <laughs> Just had to throw that out there. There is a competition at middle linebacker. And again, much love to Vaughn Miller, but... Between the predictions with free agency and when he's going to be back in the lineup and, you know, the stuff with Terrell Dodson, it's like, come on, man. Just don't, don't have some fun with what Vaughn says, but don't take his shit serious. Just don't do it. You know, the interesting thing is, though, not to get on a sidetrack already, but like Brandon Bean was on NFL Network yesterday on mm-hmm. Monday when it was recorded, and he was talking about the possibility of Von Miller playing in week one. So that's that's interesting to me, right? Because it's coming from the general manager. Sure. Course, like just leaving it out there as a possibility and not just Von Miller saying it. So it's, uh, yeah, every time he says something, though, man, I think of you now because it's just like I know it's something that it's, uh, it's going to come up in our conversation. <laughs> and again, I love Vaughn. I'm I'm playfully criticizing him. I'm not. This isn't like significant, legitimate criticism. Just so everyone knows that I'm yeah. just messing around. Um, practice. Okay, so again, three times. Those the, the last three, or or three to last four, I should say, Sunday and Monday. Um, 
right there on the field, saw the entire practice from start to finish. I kind of feel, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to go to a couple practices, Anthony, is if you're going to talk about the team and you're on a show, whether it's yourself or whether you, you do a podcast with somebody else, I feel like you need to, to have some eyes there yourself. You know what I mean? You got to just, oh, yeah. you, you get a different perspective. It's kind of like being at a game where you can see plays, whether it's football, hockey, you can see things kind of unwind as they're happening. You just get a different perspective when you're in that stadium or that arena. I kind of feel the same way with, uh, with practice. Um, the guy the, over the last two days anyway, and I'm talking about Sunday, Monday, not Tuesday. Um, the guy, not counting Stefan Diggs, we'll talk about him in a second, or not counting Josh Allen. Those are the two best players, especially with Vaughn out. Everybody knows that. In my opinion, and I and I I tweeted this. I think the best player on the field over the last two days that I've been at practice, the the guy who I would say is the MVP of the last couple Bills practices, and I don't even really think it's that close either. Is a guy that I know you're pretty high on, a guy that you have talked about potentially what you would at least like to see. Maybe him get a contract extension before this season even starts. And I'll tell you, maybe I might have rolled my eyes a little bit when you said that a couple of weeks ago. But after watching this the last couple of days, I'll tell you right now, if the Bills went up to Gabe Davis today and wanted to get a long-term deal done with him, I'd be completely on board with it. He's healthy. And I was really locked in on him at practice. And he has been sensational these last couple of days. I'm telling you, man, he is healthy. He is moving well. He looks physical. Um, he's not just running these 30 yard deep outs or, or post. It's, you know, all or nothing with him. I'm seeing more and more from watching him at practice. He's running shorter routes. He's getting off the line better. Um, and again, you know, you can only do so much. The first day was without pads. Monday was the first day with pads. But still, you could just see it. Um, the way he's being used in the offense during practice. He's running short slants. He's running intermediate routes. Uh, quick stuff to the outside. Moving chains. He's not just that deep downfield guy right now at practice. He's doing everything. He's catching everything right now at practice. He looks really, really good, dude. He's probably, he's dominating Bill's training camp right now. You know, and that, just say that. that makes me incredibly happy, not just because of stuff that I said before, right? But now for the success of the team. Mm -hmm. And I think so often we talked about last year's team, right? And the wide receiver core just lacking in certain pieces. Yeah. Missing Cole Beasley. Then you're bringing back him and John Brown to try and fill different voids, right? Isaiah McKenzie not being exactly what you wanted to. But Gabe Davis not playing healthy, right? Playing through injury. And Matt Perino has talked about that a lot. I heard him talking earlier today about it. Uh, Joe Marino on his podcast talking about how impressed he was with Gabriel Davis. And he was certainly skeptical about should the Bills offer him some sort of a contract extension. Gabe Davis is 24 years old. Mm -hmm. When you think of what he has accomplished already at 24, and I get it, everyone, you, you know, wants him to be I don't know I don't even know what people want him to be but for what he is right now and for to hear you say that to hear Joe talk about it to hear guys like Matt Perino it's just like okay this is becoming commonplace when we're talking about who he is 
And I think a piece that really stood out as well, and I know we're going to talk about Stefan Diggs in a bit, but when mm -hmm. he did his 20 plus minute, you know, press conference Q&A session with the media, when he was talking about Gabriel Davis, he said, you know, if I'm not on this team, he's a number one wide receiver. And that's, you know, it's not one of those things where you feel like, oh, are you just pumping up one of your teammates or this and that? But at 24 years old and for what he's shown he can do already, the arrow's still pointing up. Like, this isn't a guy that has reached the the peak or the pinnacle of his his career. And to to have him having this success so early in camp, that makes me happy. Sure. And look, let's be careful, too. And let's always put things in perspective. Lots of times, lots of years, there's camp. Now, unlike, you know, a lot of these guys who flash in camp and then you never hear from them again, you know, they go away. Gabe Davis is a, a very accomplished NFL player. so. There's a big difference between him and a guy like, you know, Brandon Riley or somebody who looks really good in camp one year and is trying to make a roster. Um, but so keeping it in perspective, he still looks good. And you know, another thing I noticed too, and again, these are things that you see when you're actually at camp watching practice instead of just, you know, relying on what, you know, other people are saying or a handful of videos. You always would expect like when they're off to the side, Josh, which by the way, Josh and, and Stefan Diggs communicate a lot with each other. Like they're off talking to each other a lot. But what I wanted to add to that is I've noticed that it's not just Josh and Stefan. It's Josh, Stefan, and Gabe Davis. Like I've seen them multiple times over the last couple of days where the three of them might be off while other guys are running drills or whatever have you. These, these three guys are, are communicating with each other. And like I said, it's one thing for him to see him catch a couple of balls downfield because we've seen plenty of that. Monday, he uh, he roasted Gabe, or not Gabe, Gabe Davis roasted uh, Dane Jackson. Got past him, beat him. It was, it was an exciting play. Would have probably been about a 40-yard touchdown or so. Um, on Sunday's practice, at the end, they did a two-minute drill and Gabe Davis caught uh, a touchdown on, on the final play. Although, to be fair to the defense, they were going nuts and, and kind of said afterwards if there was instant replay that Davis might not have had both feet in. But anyway, got credit for, for scoring the, the touchdown at the end of the two-minute drill. But like I said, Anthony, the big thing – is it seems like he's being used in different ways. Like he's not just going down the field. Like I, they were throwing to him in 11, 11s, a lot of yeah. short passes, you know, these seven, eight yard passes that, that move the chains. So, so it seems like he's kind of, they're, they're expanding his role a little bit. I kind of felt like he was a little bit, you know, you look at that Pittsburgh game where he catches two bombs and he puts up huge numbers Then other games. He might disappear. I remember, remember his rookie year in the playoffs when the Bills beat the Colts? And, oh, absolutely. And he had a couple great sideline catches on that drive before they have to move the chains. Absolutely. Based on what I'm seeing at practice, I'm kind of feeling like that's the Gabe Davis uh, that we're seeing. And he talked, too, by the way. He talked about his injury slowing it down and also affected his confidence some. And, and I'm just, I don't know, I, I think I'm just looking at a guy right now who, who is uh, not just looking the part physically, but I, I think mentally he, he's really confident right now. And in a contract here, so plenty of motivation. Well, and there's some pieces, too. You talked about that Pittsburgh game. He was great in the opener against mm -hmm. the Rams. Yeah. Obviously, going back to the game against the Chiefs, I mean, you know, and then the injury sets in, and you're kind of dealing with that, and it's something that's nagging. And it's to the point, right, this isn't a camp darling. This is someone that we have seen right. dominate football games before. And not just the, oh, hey, I dominated one game, like, not to pick on Isaiah McKenzie, right, where it's like, hey, you you know, see him in week 17 against the Dolphins or, mm -hmm. you know, one game against the Patriots where 
uh, you know, a couple guys were out because of COVID. Like Davis has been able to to do this and to accomplish this. So it's like, you know, I, I realize it's sort of like the hype building back up around him, but fine. And I know there will be people out there. I don't know why he's a polarizing figure amongst some Bills fans. And some will say, oh, the drops. Like, listen, man, when you've got a guy that can catch bombs like he can, yeah, there's going to be some drops in there. Like, of course, there's going to be, you know, ones that that shouldn't be there. Or, oh, he's clapping at the ball. Like, whatever, man. There, There is no perfect wide receiver out there. And as a number two wide receiver, he's about as good as you can get. So it's like, I'm embracing him, and I hope I hope that contract extension comes comes soon. I um, feel confident that if we're going to make bold predictions right now, we'll do that at some point. We're not not yet, but I feel comfortable saying that I really truly expect a, a big season from him, and I expected that. Like I said that last year, which yeah. by the way, inconsistent and rocky, but it's not like he sucked last year. He had 800 yards and. Six touchdowns, eight touchdowns, something. I think it made me eight touchdowns. He, he had a decent year, and if you compare sure. him to wide receiver twos around the league, you would you would know that. I just think the expectations were a little ridiculous last year, based on what he did against Kansas City. But anyway, look, he is going to drop some balls. I'll tell you where he's not dropping any balls. It was training camp. Two days, I didn't see a ball touch the ground that that, that was near his hands. So take it. He's looking really, really good right now. Like I said, in my opinion. I feel like he's dominating camp. If you take away Diggs and, and Josh, he very well could be the MVP early on of training camp for whatever that's worth. Um, Before we take a break, I do want to talk about Stefan Diggs because, well, two things. Number one, we talked about it before camp started, which was a week ago, actually. And you had him on your list at the top of Bills to Prove, which, by the way, again, if you didn't catch last week's show, he's not talking talent or anything on the field. It was about being, you know, the player that he's been. And also, let's just put in this shit behind us, all the stuff from the offseason. And I talked about that as well, that I really hoped on day one of camp, he would just get in front of a microphone, say his piece, and then we could all move on and not have to have that be a lingering story anymore because it was really goddamn annoying. Well, he did that. And not only did he do that, dude, he held court for 20 minutes and he was extremely... uh transparent i thought he i thought i felt like he was honest i thought he was being uh spoke with some passion and um i i was really 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 pleased that he did that because he could have just showed up at camp and he could have just went out and started playing and we still probably would have had some lingering questions that we felt like he needed to answer but he held court and he did it well and now that's a non-story uh at this point, your thoughts on that before we talk about him as a player. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, everything you said is spot on. And I was talking on my show earlier this week about your comments. I think you had it in a tweet where you'd said like, you know, Diggs was, you know, perfect. I'm paraphrasing here. Right. Mm. But, um, I just wish he had done it, you know, a month ago or two months ago, whatever you said, but sometimes with this and whatever the issue is or was, or, or anything like that, you know, sometimes it's like someone's got to be ready to have the conversation. And you see it in sports all the time where, like, here comes the the coach, the athlete, the whoever with a, a written statement that they're they're reading to, to share something like this. Uh, and that wasn't it with with Diggs. I mean, even to the to the beginning. Right. And 
Uh, I'm not quite sure who it was that was asking him the question was maybe beating around the bush uh, a little bit. And Diggs was like, you know, you know, asking him like, what is it that you're asking? Like he was ready to, to share. It wasn't like a, Hey, let me, again, let me come out with a prepared statement and for him to go through and just to talk and answer the questions and to be very upfront and to be very honest, like, that's what you want from professional athletes, right? We we can say all the time, oh, I want to hear from them, and then they'll read a statement or it's something very canned, cliched type of answer, and it becomes, well, then you're criticizing them for, for that. Yes, it took a little bit longer. Uh, credit to the Bills PR staff for having him speak on day one, for Diggs for doing a great job with it because you didn't want it to linger any any longer than it already had. And from this standpoint, it's just like it does feel like water under the bridge. Every report from camp, um, everything seems good. Everyone seems happy. So it's good. Every, you know what? I was wrong. I was wrong when I criticized him. This was the time to speak. Maybe at sure. the time. And again, we don't know every. We, we think we know everything and we, we don't. Nobody does. We don't know what's going on behind closed doors and we still don't know what exactly happy behind closed doors. Maybe at the time he wasn't ready to speak. Maybe yeah. at the time he was still putting thoughts together. Maybe at the time he was still working out issues that he might've had, whether it was with Sean McDermott or with Ken Dorsey or with Josh Allen or whatever it is. And by the way, I mean, his press conference was about winning. You could tell how serious he is about winning, how passionate he is. And that's what he cares about. He wants to win and he's frustrated because he feels like, this team has, over the last couple of years, thrown away really good opportunities to reach the Super Bowl. And he's not wrong either. And Pat, think about a time when you've been frustrated in life before and you've had a conversation, whether it be with a, a spouse, a coworker, a friend, anybody. Sure. And then you come away and you're just like, shoot, man. Like, you know, and, and it's not even that anything that you being frustrated is wrong, but it just wasn't the right time to have a conversation. Absolutely. And, you know, when you talk about digs, like, yeah, I'm, I've given him the benefit of the doubt with with all of this. So some might be like, Anthony, come on. But it's true, though, when you're not ready, it's like, take a step away, have the conversation when you're ready. He clearly was. And uh, and like you said, I mean, to, to your I mean, you can say you were wrong, but you weren't like it's not nobody was wrong for being like wishing that he had spoken earlier and cleared the air because you were sick of of hearing about it and talking about it and even you know again for me to put him on the top of that list last week it's like of course it has nothing to do with any of his talent or whatever right. but it was just to be able to move on from that piece um but he wasn't ready beforehand and he was ready last week and took care of business let, let me say this it is there's nothing wrong with wanting him to speak earlier, like I wish he would have spoken, yeah. um, you know, a couple of weeks, a couple of months earlier. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not wrong. What's wrong? I, I, I maybe I did it a little bit, some more than others, but Stefan Diggs was dragged through the mud a lot over this off season for his Instagram, whatever he would say on Instagram or whatever on Twitter, or his lack of not showing up, or or especially not speaking, being a leader, being a captain and not speaking up got criticized i still to some extent feel a to to an extent a little bit of it was warranted and again i wish he would have but he do got dragged through the mud and this guy is a baller and he's one of the best 
player. He's one of the best players, one of the best receivers in the entire league, not just obviously the best receiver on this team. Potentially, arguably, he's the best receiver this team's ever had. That's how good he is, man. That's how good he is. It's um, look, watching him at practice in person, the vibe you get from there's something different about him. There's lots of good pass catchers yeah. on this team. There's lots of talented players on this team. And by the way, apologies to Dane Jackson. I'm thinking about it now. Gabe Davis getting behind somebody for a long touchdown wasn't on Dane Jackson. It was actually on Trey White. And Trey White's look good in camp. We'll talk about him in a minute. I say that because Stefan Diggs just cooked Dane Jackson on a on a long pass at practice on Monday. So that's why I had the wrong guy for Dane. But anyway, back to Stefan. There's just an aura about him. There's yeah. something about he just looks like he's on a different level. And again, I said it with Gabe. I don't think a ball's touched the, to the ground at any drill or anything at practice three times watching uh, with Stefan. He, he just, he's in midseason form in the, at the end of July in training camp, route running, hands. Let me tell you about one play. But then we're going to take a break. I got to tell you about this play. So Sunday's practice, all right? I got there late. I went with my buddy, Mike. And if you've been to Bill's practice, you know, if you want to get in those bleachers and get a good seat and get up high, then you got to pretty much get there early, especially on the weekends where a lot of people are off from work and there's a lot more kids who come to practice. You know, people bring their families and stuff like that. So anyway, Sunday, got to practice late. No bleacher seats were available anywhere. Had to stand along the uh, a fence um, with the kids, not in the position that I wanted to be in. But the one good thing about the way it worked out is directly in front of us were the wide receivers doing their drills and doing working. And then they started doing one-on-ones and they were kind of right in front of us. So maybe 20 yards from me, Stefan Diggs. And every time on Sunday, he went one-on-one. It was with Trey White all three times. And Trey looked good. But I'm telling you, Stefan just got him three times in a row. But yeah. anyway, this one, we'll call it a front shoulder pass. It was a laser. I've never, you have to have seen it to, to appreciate it. He put one quick move, got to the sideline, Trey White's coverage was right there and Josh Allen threw a football and it whizzed literally whizzed by Trey White's earpiece. Like he, it, it, he easily could have got hit in the helmet, missed him by this much. Stefan's running and it's like, it's, it's almost like he doesn't look like he's seeing the ball. And then in an instant, his hands go up at literally the last second with the ball like this comes down two feet inbounds, per, completes the catch. The crowd lost their mind. It was unbelievable. The chemistry between, so if you're worried about chemistry between Josh and Stefan, don't. But anyway, holy shit was this a catch, man, from Stefan. He's just unbelievable. He's fun to watch. He's so intense, too. Holy shit, man. Well, and you, again, I mean, yeah, you think of from the time he came in in 2020, and just kind of raising the bar for what this team has been. That's that's not just a coincidence, right? That the leap that Josh Allen has made, the leap that he has made, those two, the symbiotic relationship that that they mm -hmm. have with one another. And for you to be able to see that up close and personal, that's pretty awesome. It, it was awesome. And, and, you know, to finish up with, with Stefan, too, and just the intensity that he has on Monday's practice, the Bills were doing like kind of like um, short drives. And he beat Teron Johnson. We'll talk about him in a few minutes as well. He threw, he caught the ball for a touchdown, threw it up. It was like NFL regular season mode, man. Yeah. He's flexing and yelling. You could almost hear him 
from the stands. Me and Marino looked at each other like, God damn, because he was, he, he was fired up. So anyway, let's take a quick break. And I, I got some other notes from Bill's practice over the last couple of days. Not just the Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs podcast today, although it easily uh, could be. So be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, I'm back here with Anthony Marino from buffalo rumblings we've given out some flowers so to speak to gabe and to stefan and you know what throw another flower out there too because i've kept a close eye on um dalton kincaid through practice and i'm gonna tell you dude i keep saying it it sounds like a broken record how balls aren't touching the the ground well they're really not touching the ground with dalton kincaid this guy catches freaking everything and he is his route running, Anthony, is it's almost hard to explain. It doesn't even look like he's running hard. It doesn't even look like he's cutting hard. It's the only the only two words I could describe from what I've seen with Dalton Kincaid. And we'll see how he blocks. Because ultimately, you know, if he's gonna be out there on the field a lot and they're not gonna throw every single time he's out there, he's gonna have to become at least an adequate NFL tight end blocker. But when it comes to routes, hands, the two words that I keep coming up with are smooth and effortless. It just looks like he's gliding out there. And he's impressive. I mean, he beat Matt Milano on a play. And then they were doing these drills. I almost felt sorry for, for Dean Marlowe because that, that was another one that got a big reaction from the crowd. Obviously, fans are locked into Kincaid. Yeah, I would say Josh Allen, obviously, and then Stefan right behind him in terms of crowd reaction and popularity, and Demar too, for obvious reasons. But Dalton Kincaid's right up there too. Like the crowd's following him every time his hands such a football year. Cheers. Anyway, he shook he shook D Marlowe out of his uh out of his jockstrap on, on one play or or route I should say during drills. Anyway, my point is this: he's looking the part. He is looking the part. 
I would be stunned if he's not involved in this offense from from week one. Well, and you know, you think again, a first round draft pick, and I know sometimes when you talk to some guys in the past, it's not a sure thing for what they are going to be when they come into camp. And, and to your point, getting the pads on, doing some blocking, that is going to be that next step, right, for him. But early on to see the reaction from everyone, media members alike, and you just look at it and you talk about the rapport he has with Josh Allen. It sounds like he's doing all the right things in the tight end room, right? You've written different stories about him, you know, bringing snacks each day and kind of just embracing the role of being a, a rookie. Dawson Knox speaking glowingly about him. Uh, it, it's hard because right now the hype train for him, it's high. But when you talk about it and it's like the impact that he can make, it's it's like, you know, the guy can catch four passes a game and finish the year with 65 to 70 receptions. Like to get that type of production. And when you talk about him playing in the, the slot and if you're going 12 personnel, you know, to be an adequate blocker, it's like, well, listen, I don't think Cole Beasley was like lighting the world on fire at 5'7", 175 right. pounds. Not to just say that the by sheer size alone that Kincaid will be a better blocker, but, you know, if they can coach him up there as well, it's going to give this offense a lot of flexibility when you look at his potential and what he can be. It's exciting, man. It's hard not to get too excited about him based on all the reports so far, but early on, things are looking pretty good. When you bring up potential numbers for him, I'll point out that it would take almost like a historic rookie season for an NFL tight end to put up those type of numbers. But that said, he's kind of his tight end is like his position, but yeah. or his official position. Dude plays a lot on the slot, though, man. He's almost like a receiver. So I want to throw that out there for people who are like, well, no tight ends ever caught, you know, 60 passes or whatever their rookie year. Well, again, he's not going to be an inline tight end an awful lot, which another thing I noticed being at practice for a couple of days, it seems like the first time the Bills would run, when they would run 11 on 11s with the ones, and they get out real quick, the ones, the twos, the threes. But anyway, the first time it would be like their three receiver set and then the second time, they would do a lot of 12 personnel. And what I noticed, especially last Sunday at practices, when Knox and Kincaid are out there, they're lining, they're not just both out there, they're lining them up in a lot of ways. Like Kincaid, yeah. in some some alignments, was playing H-back. and others, he's out there in the slot. There were a couple where he was in line and Knox was spread out. Both were spread out. So it seems like Ken Dorsey's working on doing a lot of different formations, a lot of motion going on, too, when, uh, when they're both out there. So that that's pretty, you know, that, that's fun to see the creativity, what they're coming up with so far early on at camp anyway um, with these practices. I would say this too. The offense Monday looked good um, the first couple of days, which is common. I think the defense was getting for sure the better of uh, the offense. But I, I thought on Monday, especially the offense, it was a good overall day for them. Um, switching to the defensive side, I know Kyrie Elam's a guy that we talk about a lot that you know people want to know a lot about. He so Sunday, and I, and I think I talked about this on, uh, on my show the other day. Um, look, he's, first of all, people better get used to this. And I know that a lot, a lot, a lot of people are not going to like this. Dane Jackson is, he, he's not, he has not been named the starter. I, I'd be willing to bet at this point, Dane Jackson week one is opposite Trey White. So I'm going to put that out there before anything else. And I, I think it's starting to become obvious. Like he's out there. We're, 
all the time the last couple of days with the ones. It's not like they're, you know, middle linebacker. They're taking turns each day who's running with the ones. It ain't like that at corner. It's been Dane Jackson now for a couple of days in a row. Anyway, Sunday, Kyrie Elam, annoying. It's annoying to watch because he looks, he has a couple of really good reps and then he has a couple awful reps, man. Yeah. It's, I could see, let me just say this based on what I saw Sunday. I could see why the coaches aren't as high on him as we want them to be, or as we might be as podcasters, content creators, fans, whatever. Um, Monday though, he had a really good practice. Um, he was going one-on-one with digs and there was one rep and I love his competitiveness. That's what I'm getting to, by the way, with Kyrie Lim. So they're doing one-on-one drills and he was lined up against digs one time and he had a good rep and digs was blaming him for holding. It wasn't holding. It was a good rep for Elam. Anyway, next time Diggs is lined up, um, I forgot the corner's first name, so I apologize. But I know it's Austin, number 29. He's out there. Kyer basically grabs him and pushes him off to the side, and he wants that rep with Diggs. Now, to be fair, Diggs ended up beating him. He yeah. broke off a route. It was a, it was a short completion. But they're in each other's face. Anyway, my point was, and Elam on Monday was getting reps ahead of Christian Benford, which is a flip-flop of what it had been. It was a promising practice for him on Monday. Kind of a up and very up and down camp. I can see why, and I know fans don't like hearing this, but I can see why Dane Jackson, who's not the greatest, but maybe a little more steady and trustworthy from McDermott, is out there. Elam's very shaky right now, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, it's it, and I I still wrestle with this, and I I talk about it probably more than I should, <laughs> but it's just like you know, with Dane Jackson, you know what you have. Mm-hmm. And consistency is fine, but like if consistency is decent, you know, I don't want to use the term average. It's, I mean, it's above average, but that's just what you're always going to get. It just, it's like you, you've got to, you've got to teach through the upside. And I get it as a coach, if there's inconsistency, that can drive you crazy, right? Mm-hmm. I, I honestly, when, when you talk about things, I am also expecting Dane Jackson to be the starter, the starter. Yeah. But I'm expecting there to be a rotation at cornerback. Could be. Or it's going to be Dane Jackson like getting 60, 65% of the snaps, and then Kyir Elam getting 40 or 35% of the snaps, maybe based sure. on the matchup or the opponent. You know, we're looking to lock in someone as that cornerback, too. We have seen this team have a rotation or a timeshare as long as Sean McDermott has been here, whether it's been Josh Norman or if it's been EJ Gaines or um, Kevin Johnson, uh, you know, they were always kind of going back and forth. And then what you had one season where Levi Wallace was really the full-time starter uh, and then he leaves in, in free agency. So that's, I guess, if you're making a bold prediction, that's another one that I would, uh, I would throw out there. I, I can understand why fans wouldn't like Dane Jackson starting because I think with Dane Jackson, I think you've seen his ceiling. He's okay. You know, he gives up plays. And I have have nothing against Dane Jackson. Great teammate. Plays hard. For a seventh-round draft pick, everything that he has done, kudos to him. Like, none of this is a reflection on on him in any way, shape, or form when I get frustrated around the Kyrie Elam situation. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, you you know what you're getting with him. He keeps guys in front of him. You know, he doesn't give up a lot of big plays. Gives up a lot of catches. And, and again, I I get it. Whereas with Elam and, and Bedford, too, you would say, well, their ceiling's higher because you haven't really seen their potential to this point where you got to know where Dane is. But anyway, I don't know. 
it's just my gut. I, I, I'm pretty confident that Dane Jackson is starting. Middle linebacker, I don't really got nothing to add. Everyone's talked about it. Dodson, Bernard, Spectre, they're going one day at a time. Again, as we're taping this on Tuesday, um, I was trying to get a look here going into practice as we're taping as it starts, but it's a little bit too early. If they're going by the rotation they, they have been, that would mean Spectre would be getting work with the ones on Tuesday. The only thing I will say about linebacker, I don't look, I'm not an expert. I don't know measurables that well, but I will say compared to other middle linebackers around the league, Terrell Bernard just looks really small. He, yeah. I know what it, he just, he looks small. Some players are maybe they're bigger than, than it seems. He don't even seem like he's big, man. Like he looks like he should be playing free safety. You know, I know he's not a safety, but I just, I, I'm just going to say, I just, I'm not a Terrell Bernard guy. I, I, I'd like to be wrong. But if he's, I don't think he's going to start, by the way. I think Dodson's going to. So Vaughn Miller ultimately is probably going to be right at the now, end of the game. It, it's I, tough, right? And it's, and again, I'm not one of those guys either that it's like, oh, the, you know, there's got to be this measurables. His arm length has to be this or any of those types of things. But, but I do agree with you. When you look at him, it's just, I mean, even Dorian Williams, who they don't have as part of this competition. Okay. You see him out there and it's like, yeah, I could see this guy right passing the look test and it's not mm -hmm. about the look test but um that, that's the one piece that's still probably the biggest question mark because we can talk sure. about cornerback too every show from now through the the entire season but we've seen dane jackson perform and christian benford and kair elam that you know there's a level of starting cornerback that is there at middle linebacker sure. you, you haven't seen it yet and you just hope it doesn't bite you in the ass this look year. Look, man, the the, um, the defense, they can still be fine. Sean McDermott can come up with a lot of things, a lot of ways to kind of mask what they got going on in the middle linebacker. But the one thing for certain, say what you want about Tremaine Edmonds, is a big downgrade. Whoever whoever emerges as a starter this yeah. year is 100% going to be a downgrade. Maybe, they, maybe the defensive line playing better, the secondary being healthy, that will ultimately help the linebacker position. But in terms of the personnel, the player, whoever it is, they're not even going to be close to, to the same level as Tremaine. And that's just the way it goes in the NFL. You can't yeah. upgrade at every single position and not have any losses. Uh, we all know that. I'm emptying out my notebook here real quick um, with the rest of the Bill stuff I have. Ed Oliver, dominant. I got those in my notes from Monday. I think Ed Oliver's had a really good training camp um, from what I saw. Teron Johnson, want to throw this out there. Stud. We all know that. Great on Sunday. But I got to say, Monday. Just one of those days, rough practice, man. Um, I was, again, I was standing right, me and Joe Marino talking about it during practice. It was, he said he was chasing rabbits. And what he meant by that was guys were catching a lot of footballs and he was chasing them down on front of them. And also on that trick play, hit Josh Allen really hard, which was really, really stupid. I know he's a competitor. I know he's trying to break up a play. But come on, your boy's got a red jersey on. Pull up. Let him catch the ball. Let the crowd cheer. It was a, it was a double reverse, and it was Dawson Knox who should not have thrown the football. By the way, because Josh was not open. Anyway, he threw the football. Tried to get uh, the crowd going a little bit. Jerron knocked him down. Josh was slow to get up. Yeah, I'm sure you all know this story right now. Um, yeah, that was that was not cool. So that was on Jerron. Stephon beat him for a touchdown on Monday that we talked about. Not a great day for Jerron, but. Of all the bills, that's probably one of the guys that you got to worry about the least if he has an off day at training camp. But I, I, I did want to mention that. 
defensive ends. Oh, God, did you have some? No, I did not. Oh. I just was going to say, like, here's a that's a guy we've seen enough great play from oh. that no concern. No worries. Yeah, yeah, no worries. But it was weird to watch him struggle a little bit, even yeah. if it was just for one day. I think the defensive end position, nobody talks about this. I think there might be not just one, but even potentially two surprise cuts. I'm going to say that. First of all, A.J. Epinesa, I almost feel like it's becoming a tradition where he looks really good in training camp. And this is going to be the year where he looks really good. He's It's happening again. He's looked really good in training camp. Monday when the pads came on, he looked really good. He had some wins in the, the pass rush. I think he's clearly ahead of Boogie Basham right now in a rotation. Like, when Vaughn comes back, it's going to be Vaughn and Rizzo, and then it's going to be Leonard Floyd, and I feel like it's going to be A.J. Epinesa. I feel like those are your f- top four. So one of the things I'm getting at is I think Boogie Basham's in trouble. I think whether the, maybe they try to trade and get something for him. I mean, he is a second-round pick, only going in the year three, so maybe he's got some trade value. But worst yeah. case, whether it's trade, whether it's release, I think there's at least a fair chance that Boogie Basham's not on the roster. I think Shane Ray, by the way, I don't know if he's going to stick around or not, but I've been pretty impressed with him. He certainly has made some splash plays. So anyway, Boogie's one, and there's another name I'm going to throw at you. Shaq Lawson. Yeah. Shaq is a good run defender, doesn't bring a lot in the pass rush. He has been quiet in camp, and I've seen him three times. He's been really quiet, hasn't really done anything, and he's not getting a lot of reps either. I mean, maybe because he's a veteran, they kind of know what he could do, but they also know what Rizzo and some of these other guys can do, and they're out there a lot more. It's a very quiet camp for, for Shaq. So if whether they keep, you know, um, what's it, Kingsley Jonathan, he's looked good. Yeah. He might, he's especially, he can play special teams too. I wouldn't be stunned if both Boogie and Shaq are not on this roster week one. Certainly one of them, I do not expect both of them to be there. And there's a good, there's a decent chance you might see them both gone. Yeah, Shaq's an interesting one, right? And you talk about the... I like him. And, and I've always liked Shaq. I mean, heck, I didn't even want to see him leave when his uh, his rookie contract wrapped up and he he went and signed with the Dolphins. But it just, um, you know, it might be time. And, and you've seen, too, like, you know, when he hits free agency, there haven't been a ton of teams out there calling on Shaq Lawson. I mean, this could be a guy, he ends up maybe being a cut Maybe he just ends up on your practice squad of somebody like, hey, you know, break glass in case of emergency. I don't even know if that's something he would want to consider, but it, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of other options out there because as free agency has come about, here he is back in Buffalo on a one year kind of like a vet minimum type of deal. I think someone had said this morning, you know, his only guaranteed contract, part of his contract for this season is like $425,000. Right. I think that was from uh, Joe Biscaglia. So just, yeah, he might be on the outside looking in, especially even if you, if it is between him and Basham or, you know, one of these other guys, at least Boogie Basham, you could say there's still some upside there, but we'll just have to wait and see. Real quick note, as we tape this on Tuesday, I was just looking at a, a tweet from Thad Brown. They do walk through. So they do the fir- they do a first-team walkthrough to start practice, um, offense versus defense, but it's just walking through. They're not, you know, it's not a competitive uh, segment of practice. Anyway, worth noting, um, Isiris Torrance was getting the, the walkthrough ones with the first, or with the first team, I should say. Although I think he was on Monday, and then Bates started when uh when they were live, although Torrance played a lot. So by the way, as an aside, 
that is a legitimate competition. Yeah. That is legit. That is going to probably come down to, you know, over the next couple of weeks. But also what was noteworthy is even though it's a walkthrough, we just talked about this earlier in the show. If they were to keep to their rotation with three horse race and middle linebacker, that would have put Spectre in with the ones. But dad just tweeted that it was Terrell Dodson that was actually in with the ones today. So I don't know. We'll, we'll end up seeing uh, what that means. One last Bills thing, too. I want to give some credit to the, the PR department, the media relations department. They've done an excellent job of getting the right people available to talk. Like first day of camp, everybody knew. Everyone wanted to hear from Stefan Diggs, and everybody knew that. And, and they made him available. Um, Monday's practice, Demar Hamlin, first day of padded practice, first day of physicality since what happened in Cincinnati last year. And they made him available, which, by the way, he is a very articulate, well thought out spokesperson. God, I, I hate to say it this way because I don't ever want to see something happen to somebody yeah. like what happened to him. But if there's somebody who could handle it and, and kind of get that word out to people and speak in a way that people are going to listen, he, he, Damar Hamlin is that guy. He is fantastic. And I never, honestly, never really paid attention. So, I mean, maybe he's always, you know, been articulate and spoke creatively and as well as he does. I don't know because I never really paid, frankly, much attention when he was a backup safety. But in light of what happened, he had some riveting thoughts on, on during the press conference on Monday. So I just wanted to give him credit and give the Bills credit for throwing the right people out. I had another segment that I was going to get into about like some potential tough cuts besides just the defensive ends we talked about. But you know what? We'll save that for uh, for next week because there's some... There's a handful of guys that I think some people aren't talking about that that could be in trouble, but we'll save that. Uh, go ahead. Can, let me ask you not about a tough shot. Sure. I think you had said something before about Ed Oliver, and we haven't heard a mm -hmm. lot about Oliver, but lately it seems that things have picked up that he's been kind of dominant in yeah. camp. And have, have you seen that? Did you see that in the three days you were there? I know sometimes with defensive tackles and interior offensive linemen, it's it's hard to to gauge, but you know, I think him getting the the contract this offseason and another one of those guys that becomes a little bit of a hot button topic topic. Um, what you saw there. Um, he would have had a sack on Monday. He he was busting up runs during like offensive line versus defensive line drills. He looks good, he looks fresh. I've seen it before though. You know, he when yeah. he's healthy, his motor and his motor is going. He's a force. The problem, the book on Ed Oliver is he's a little bit too much of a flash player. You know, like yeah. he goes or streaky player, like he will look dominant during times during the regular season. And then he kind of disappears a little bit. Some of that I'm sure is health. Maybe some of that was a contract. I don't know. He's got that security now. Um I can only speak on base what I saw at camp, and what I've seen at camp is a really good-looking uh, defensive tackle right now, which made me think of another quick thought. You know who else has had a good camp from what I've seen, which is nice to see? Tim Settle. Because right. I thought Tim Settle didn't play well at all last year. I was very high on him last year. I think we talked about this before. And yeah. uh, I didn't think he looked good. But I, I, he's definitely caught my eye during training camp. He's looked good. He was on your list last week, and it, there's been oh, that's a right, lot of he was. Yeah, he's uh, that he's he's looked good. So you know, to see to see that taking place is uh, yeah, that could be huge. Yeah, for sure. He's looked he's looked good. Um, all right, let's get to our fitness descent segment. We do this at the end of each episode. 
Uh, four questions, not really sports questions. In fact, no sports questions this week. Just an opportunity to get to know a little bit more about Mr. Marino as well as myself. Something different for the fans here at the end. Um, all right, let's get right into it here. First one. The first magazine I ever loved was blank. Sports Illustrated. And I know yeah. that's probably the answer for so many folks in our our generation, right? But sure. Uh, for you youngsters out there before the days of the uh, the internet, you would you would wait for Sports Illustrated to show up, you know, each week or whether you're at, you know, school to to get to the copy in the the library to be able to, you know, read feature stories on what was happening in sports, right? Because you didn't get it from your hometown newspaper all the time because, you know, they were covering more local and regional type of stories. But, you know, for me, it was really to get like that NBA type of coverage that, you know, is the the game was emerging. Sports Illustrated was the one place that uh, that I could really get it. So for me, that was the first magazine I ever we, loved. We, we could probably we could probably do an entire podcast just on how significant Sports Illustrated was when you and I were kids. You know, it's different now with the internet and all that stuff. But yeah, back in those days, I, I don't know how Sports Illustrated couldn't be the answer for sports fans. Although I will say, as as a kid who grew up obsessed with wrestling, Pro Wrestling Illustrated might be my answer as well. I was like, my, I had to get that every single month. For the rankings, going by territories like the top ten, the most, uh, the most liked, the most or the most hated at the time. That was like my go-to. I had to have. Oh my, month. Pat! You just brought back so many memories. So there would be like <laughs> two pieces when I would get Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Like one, what was the you know the pull-out poster that you would get each month? Oh yeah, yeah. That yeah you could yeah. have and hang up in your room. But those top ten rankings, right? Where it would be here's the top ten. Uh, individuals and tag team rankings for WWF, NWA, AWA, yep. and going. That would be the first thing I would look to each and every month. And man, how much I loved that! Oh my god, I would maybe I would change my answer right now to, to be quite <laughs> honest because. Um, and I didn't subscribe to it. It would be like walking around Wegmans, me too, and waiting and you know go, looking through that magazine section right because like ah, mom's walking around shopping i can go kill you know a half an hour at, at the magazine department and pro wrestling illustrated that was a that was a go-to me too i didn't subscribe i i i think i've said this before i would take a ride from the west side on my bike all the way to north buffalo delaware and hurdle to that little brown new stand on the corner there and i would get pro pro wrestling illustrated i get a couple other wrestling magazines too but that was always the first one uh that i read every month funny I might have changed your mind. You might have changed my mind because I easily could have said Sports Illustrated uh, as well. All right, next one. The worst movie I've ever seen is blank. Gosh, I've seen a lot of bad movies, but there's also, you know, sometimes you watch something, you know it's going to be a cheesy action movie or a bad rom-com or something like that. I will say uh, The Fantastic Four. And that is, uh, you know, it's kind of in the, the heart of when the Marvel movies and not the ones... Not the first ones that that came out with uh, Jessica Alba and Chris Evans, but the one with Miles Teller and with Michael B. Jordan. There was such an anticipation, right, where you had uh, the the guy that directed that movie, Chronicle, right? There was like, oh man, this is going to be a new iteration of the Final Four, kind of that golden age of where you know. And I know it wasn't part of the Marvel universe, but you see this coming, and with the casting. You can look at Miles Teller now for what he was with 
Top Gun Maverick and Whiplash and other pieces where it's just like, okay, this guy is a a star. Michael B. Jordan, I mean, quite possibly like one of the biggest stars in in Hollywood, right? Just for what he's done in the Creed movies and other pieces, just such a well-versed actor. And you see this and it's like, man, this is some inspired casting to have him as Johnny Storm, like breaking the mold a little bit. And what a just complete, utter disaster that went nowhere, never had any sort of stakes, anything, and you're just watching it, and it's like, what what even just happened here? So, you know, it's a little bit, and the reviews right away were horrible, so you knew it wasn't going to be great, but it's a little bit of, for what that could have and should have been, um, oh, yeah. That, that one for me. <laughs> I look, there's a lot of ones I'm sure I could go with. I just went with the first one that popped in my mind when uh, this question came up to me. I was a teenager and I actually saw this at the movies, Showplace Theater. Um, Friday the 13th, it was Jason Takes Manhattan. I remember oh, seeing wow. it at the movies. <laughs> and, you know, the early ones were really scary, really good. This, it just jumped a shark at this point. I remember. And again, I don't remember a lot of details with the movie. And I wasn't going to bother looking up. But I do remember at some point on a boat, some dude tried to fist fight Jason. Like after all the shit he's done through the earlier movies, you know, you can't kill this guy. Some guy was talking shit and boxing. It was a boxer. And he was on a boat or whatever. And of course, Jason killed his ass. But I remember that scene. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me right now? This guy's going to box Jason Meyer or Jason Voorhees. Get out of here, man. It, it was just uh, brutal. So there's a million ones I could pick. but. For that scene alone and seeing it at the movies and remember it as a teenager, I'm definitely going Friday the 13th, uh, Jason takes Manhattan. All right, two more here, then we'll get out. If you could expertly, and I said expertly, play one musical instrument, it would be blank. Piano. And, you know, and it, I, listen, I would not look to be, uh, you know, some concert pianist or anything like that. It's, uh, I think, to my Instagram feed, and I'm always so impressed by these guys that, you know, they'll do these different mashups or medleys of, like, current hip-hop and R&B and Mm -hmm. wove it in in just uh, such a a classical type of way. And when you just see that, it's like, yeah, that would would be the pick for for me. Yeah, look, I'm with you. I got nothing to add to. I I would say piano... uh as well it'd be nice to be able to just play anything at any time um all right last one here someone in the media that inspired me when i was younger was blank like mike Mike catalana mike catalana Um, okay mike catalana so growing up in rochester you know mike was he was the man right when you would think of you know when when you would literally watch the news every day and just waiting for the sports segment to come up um, Mike just always had a great way about him, a very genuine way. And in addition to that, when I was in high school, uh, our high school basketball team was state champions, nationally ranked, all this type of stuff. John Wallace, who played at Syracuse, was on our, our team. So it was you know, yeah. a, a segment almost like daily. And Mike covered the team and he was just, you know, you'd see him around and like just growing up with him, he was that guy. And and honestly, to see what he's doing now with Buffalo Plus and with the podcast and the YouTube piece. They crush it. They crush it, you know, and with Dan and Jenna and they're fantastic. But Mike to just sort of evolve over all these years, um, I always like looked up to him as as a kid and to see him sort of doing it, not sort of, to see him doing it now. 
um, that's someone I always I always really ad admired, and I still do uh, I still do today. Yeah, Mike's Mike's a good answer. Um, I want to say Larry Felser because he did inspire me a lot when I was a kid. You know, reading him and kind of made me want to be. I used to want to be a sports writer when I was a kid. So yeah. he had a big influence. I'm going to throw out a name, though, and not a lot of people in Buffalo will know this name unless you're a big time golfer. If, if you're into golf in Western New York, you would know the name Rick Zurat because Rick Zurat golf very popular. But but not what a lot of people don't know is that he was a sportscaster for Jenny. He was in Florida. And he, and he came to Buffalo and he was a Channel 7 sportscaster for a while. I say him because of my cousin. And oh, that's awesome. he was he was like my idol when I was a little kid because I wanted to be a sports guy who had the camera and the microphone in front of him, you know, and very popular, good-looking dude. So when I was a kid, he inspired me. I wanted to get into sports media a lot because I had my old, much older cousin who was doing it for Channel 7. So that, that's the name that I would come up with. Like I said, if you're a golf guy in Western New York, you know the name Rick Zurek Golf, but otherwise you, you, you might not even know who that is. So anyway, all right. we are going to get out of here. Um, I thank you as always, Anthony Marino. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Marino. The last 10 minutes of our pod while we're talking, I'm kind of trying to follow along with notes just potentially to uh, see if anything was going on with the Bills. The one thing I will say is uh, that I saw Jordan Poyer's not practicing today. He's in street clothes. Tim Settle, we just talked him up a few minutes ago. He's not practicing, but he's on a stationary bike. Hopefully it's nothing serious. I don't think it is. Doesn't sound like it is uh, with either of those guys. But anyway, make sure you follow Anthony on Twitter. Check out Breaking Buffalo Rumblings and all the stuff on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. Thanks as always, buddy. This was fun. You got it, man. See you next week. All right, guys, and I will be back live from Imperial Pizza tomorrow night with special guest from Lockdown Bills, Joe Marino. Talk to you then.